You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. You feel you played the final game of the season tonight? No clue. Did Mason say something? Is that what started things? I just got a good look at him. No, I'm not going not gonna to comment on it. No. It's been called uh, embarrassing by your coach and I think player. I mean, do you think that's a fair description? Of- Absolutely. You know, that, that is a bad thing. You know, what I did was uh, foolish, and I shouldn't uh, allow myself to, to slip like that. That's out of character. But a um, situation like that where, you know, it's an emotional game, like Larry said, and uh, allow myself to, to fall into those emotions, you know, with that, that last play and what happened. My Dogs by Nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious 7 and you're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. This year, as many Americans were purchasing cards, candies, and flowers for their special someone, Miles Garrett released an interview with Mia Kimes on the Four Letter Network. In this interview, he talked about the heated incident that led to a six-game suspension And most notably, he reiterated his claims that Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph used a racial slur during the altercation. Mason Rudolph responded via Twitter calling the allegation of Miles Garrett 1,000% false. His lawyers threatened to sue for defamation. What I found even more interesting is the defense given by Coach Tomlin. He says one sentence about Mason Rudolph briefly vouching for him. Then he recounts how no one said anything to him about it after the game. Well, I for one think this is an incredible case study. Uh, Clearly the most important inflection point of the entire year. And while this allegation is definitely racial in nature, I felt like if this issue broke down on racial lines, then perhaps a football podcast might not be the best place for this kind of discussion. But this story is about something different. I think the divide on this story comes from perspective. Steelers fans and Browns fans are going to see it from their own way. And perhaps the only way to get clarity on the issue is to reach out and hear more from those who have disparate perspectives. Earlier this year, I reached out to the Devoted Steelers podcast. Vince and Dimitri were guests on the opposition's position. Today, they join us here in the Straight No Chaser studios to represent the perspective of the greater Allegheny region. They can be found at Steelers Devoted on Twitter. First off, before we get to the Garrett stuff, how has the first month of your offseason been? Will you admit to any schadenfreude watching Lamar Jackson get dismantled in the playoffs for the second year in a row? Personally, myself, um, I was not rooting for the Baltimore Ravens, you know. The whole rivalry thing. Much of respect, um, but I was not rooting for the Baltimore Ravens, and I was very, very glad. I, I watched that game by myself. I kind of treated that like a Steelers game, if you will. I didn't want to be around too many other people, um, but it was very, very uh, nice to see the Tennessee Titans dismantle Lamar Jackson. And you know, obviously, they forced him to do some things that he wasn't comfortable with, and they forced him to play behind, which he very rarely had to do during the season. And uh, the end result, obviously, was a big win for the Tennessee Titans. And the Ravens went home early when a lot of people predicted they would win the Super Bowl. So I was all happy to hear that. 
No, and I and I will say in terms of the Steelers' first month of this offseason, um, relatively quiet yet. There are some teams, you know, you see the Redskins making some cuts. The Browns have made some cuts. A lot of talk and chatter in the local media in Pittsburgh about some, you know, respected veterans potentially getting cut that we haven't, you know, nothing has broken of yet. Still some time for that to happen. Um, obviously, they just filled the wide receiver position with former Giant, which is music to Vince's ear. Uh, Ike Hilliard is now the new wide receivers coach. Um, but overall, uh, relatively quiet offseason. Obviously, we'll get into the more recent stuff that's kind of caused a little bit more of a stir. But overall, pretty quiet, pretty comfortable with where we're at in the offseason. Obviously, things are really about to start kicking up again. I know we open events and I always talk about how long it is in between seasons. And obviously, it's, it has to be because of how demanding and violent the sport is. There's got to be the long layoff as compared to other sports. But it really, from an off-season perspective, is a 24 by 7 thing, right? You know, we get the Super Bowl. I mean, really, this is kind of like the two or three weeks you have off. But then at the end, at the, towards the end of February, you got the combine. Then you have free agency. Then you have the draft. You got OTAs. I mean, so it's really, from actual, from from a break standpoint, it's really like this couple weeks between the Super Bowl and the combine, and then when all the teams break in uh, mid June or mid to late June into July for training camp. Um, and from the sounds of it, it looks like the Steelers or sounds like Art Rooney has been saying that he's been get, hearing that they're going to be in the Hall of Fame game. So it'll be a little bit of a shorter offseason um, from that perspective and potentially even hard knocks, which that's for another day. But in terms of the Ravens, um, I wouldn't say that I, I was necessarily happy or glad. Uh, as you said, totally respect their organization. Um, I am a Lamar Jackson fan. I support I just think he's a obviously he won the MVP, so he's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think he's a great kid. I think he does all I think he does all the right things, um, and, he, and it makes it it makes it makes the Steelers better, it makes the conference better, it makes the division better. Um, but in terms of him getting you know um, beat for the second year in a row in the playoffs, you know it's hard. You know you get to especially for it, it had to be you know one of the more tougher Ravens playoff losses, you know, of, of their existence just because of how dominant they were throughout the regular season and all everything they had going for them. Um, I mean, they just ran into a team that just wasn't a great matchup for them and was able to kind of keep, you know, Lamar on the sideline, run the ball. Um, and really, like you said, made Lamar play from behind. So, that's going to happen in the playoffs. Things get a lot tighter. Um, you're not just going to walk walk in and walk over anybody. You're going to have to bring it every every you know every snap, every possession. So um, it happens. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't expect the Ravens to be fully motivated. You know, these are kind of the, the, these experiences that you need. You kind of need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. If that makes sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Ravens are right back in the same predicament next year. Um, because I just think that Lamar is going to just continue to grow and, and, and develop into, you know, what's going to be a hard stop for anybody in the AFC North. Well, I was hoping we could at least agree on the common enemy. And you guys did not disappoint me in this regard. But I guess we'll see what happens with this next question. Yeah, I trust you guys had a chance to watch the Miles Garrett interview on the Four Letter Network. What was your immediate reaction to that piece? Miles Garrett, you know, he got reinstated by uh, Roger Goodell in the National Football League. He ended up serving with the equivalent of what a six-game suspension. Um, 
and you know he's reinstated for the next league year. Awesome, terrific. You know, honest to, honest to God, I was happy when I heard that news initially because I'm like, good. You know, this whole thing's wrapped up. It's put a bow on it. We can put it behind us. Sure, there'll be something when the Steelers and Browns play each other next year. There'll be some sort of you know, we'll see the video again shortly. But I really didn't think anything of it. You know, then this video comes out. Um, and it feels like he has to say his, you know, piece, and he brings up once again the racial slur. Um, you know, obviously, if anybody were to use a racial slur in work, in professional environments, you know, I can understand anybody's reaction. Um, you know, of, you know, basically getting a heated reaction, if you will. Um, but once again, I don't really understand how uh, any type of verbiage, if you will. Uh, resulted in a helmet being, you know, smashed into somebody whose helmet was not on um, and possibly causing severe um, head damage. So, you know, I really didn't understand why he had to say his, you know, say his piece. I guess he felt like he had to get the last word in, um, you know, or wanted to, in an attempt to clear the air. I really don't know. Um, but then, you know, on the flip side of that, Mike Tomlin, you have him coming in and saying, okay, you know, at the time of the matter, you know, no information that this was shared with with me. You know, he kind of talked about his um, friends within the Browns organization, and you know, and the connections that he has, and said, "You listen, nothing of this sort was brought to me while I was on that field." And I think, you know, as you and I discussed last time we talked about this issue, that would have definitely been, you know, like, hey, if I was called that, and, I, and I'm not uh, a person of color, so I cannot, you know, I, can, I cannot respond to that in a first person experience, but. If I was in that environment and that happened, you know, I guarantee you someone would be, would be telling me, so-and-so, you know, called me a term, and this is why I reacted that way. Like, the justifiability of that makes so much more sense. Um, so I, I think Mike Tomlin did what he had to do, and he knew he supported his players, um, and or his, his player, if you will. And, you know, trying to say, hey, you know, this is what I heard. No, I'm not. We're not trying to make anything up. We're trying to put this in the past and leave it alone. I couldn't agree more. I mean, honestly, and, and, and I think that was one of Mike Tomlin's biggest gripes about the ESPN piece was that um, that it didn't really, it really made not only Mason Rudolph but the Steelers look bad as an organization. And I don't, that's an, a, I think a big part of the reason why he wanted to go on the national airwaves. The reality is, you're absolutely correct. Something like that, and I, yes, does it would it. Would it make more sense to why he did what he did? Yes. Would mm-hmm. it justify it still? No. But, um, I mean, it's not – I could. I, would, I totally would understand it. But, again, there's no reason. There's other ways to go about handling a situation like that. And, again, I, even though I'm not speaking in a first-person uh, experience, I'm not a person of color. I am a minority, but I'm not a black man. Uh, I also – I'm not trying to um, – I'm not saying that it's something that is easily just dismissed. It'll totally make sense on why he would react like that and maybe get into a shoving match or or whatever the case is. But to take a, a helmet and hit it, hit a, hit a, hit a man across the head again, you want to get technical. I wasn't at the time. I don't think I was trying to get to the point where let's talk about assault and all that. I'm not saying that, but in reality, in tech, in all, in all I feel in technicals here that that's someone potentially could try to sue or get criminal charge like again i'm i wasn't i was never saying that they should do he should do but mm-hmm. 
there's there was a there's totally a different way. If if Mason Rudolph had said it, which I don't believe he did, because again, that stuff comes out immediately. He and someone, even a Steelers player, for all we know, could have been like, yeah, I heard him say it. Um, especially there's you know, let's I don't know the exact number, but it's got to be close to what 80 to 90 percent of the uh, of the NFL is African American. So even if a it majority, was even, yeah. Yeah, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of minor, uh, African Americans in the Steelers, and, and on uh, Marquise Pouncey was in there, was close. Um, I think he was the only one. I think the other one was Filer, and obviously he's a white. Well, DeCastro is in there. With DeCastro, but they're white men. Uh, their only other minor uh, black would have been Marquise Pouncey. So I still think well, Marquise Foster. is very. But yeah, regardless, my point is, even if he said it, I still think. As a teammate, if he, they heard it, they would have said, "Yeah, he said something." Um, none of that, as Mike Tomlin said, no one in the Browns, not a player or a coach or a personnel person, said, "Yo, Mike, this is what's going on." As he said on first take. Yeah. So, totally think it's just. And again, I don't understand what the point is. Like, Miles, like you made a mistake. It's so much easier just to go down the road, just to hold yourself accountable, which he's trying to do, but he's also trying to justify it by making it a racial thing. Just admit to the mistake. You've been reinstated. Just continue on with your life and move forward. Like let's keep like Mike Tom was trying to say, like let's let's all just kind of shut up and move forward about it. It happened. It is what it is. Um, let's just make sure it never happens again. There's no need to open up this can of worms again. I can understand why the greater Allegheny region would want to move on from this story. As it's problematic on a lot of levels. But this point in the trajectory of the story has more to do with the NFL insisting on an indefinite punishment than anything else. At the beginning of this show, I ran the post-game audio where Garrett is asked about being called a name. And the way he responded was not to deal with the aspect of the issue through the media. He instead accepted responsibility for his actions in an unscripted and genuine manner. And if you recall, he was scheduled to do an interview with Glazier that he canceled in advance of the appeal in New York. I think he may never have shared what happened with the public. However, the allegation was leaked during his meetings in New York. And I think he waited until reinstatement to set the record straight. Now, the other aspect of this answer that was given by Dimitri and... His partner that was a little problematic was the notion that Miles Garrett made the story racial to somehow muddy the waters and give himself an out for his actions. I think he was just trying to explain his state of mind. I wasn't on the field. I don't know what was said, but everyone, and I mean everyone in Cleveland was shocked to see Miles react like that. I don't know if you know this, but Miles might have been the most admirable guy in the entire locker room. The third question asked by the media that night was asked that way because I don't think anybody could imagine him taking such an extreme course of action on that night. And I haven't heard him do anything but be forthright about his responsibility. I don't think that he has used this allegation to deflect blame from his actions in any way, shape, or form. But that obviously wasn't the message received in the Allegheny region. 
Were, were you guys surprised to read the responses from Tomlin and Rudolph and his lawyer? How far do you think this whole thing will go in the end? Uh, Mike Tomlin is one of the few African-American head coaches in the league. Um, probably, he is the most prominent one. Um, Agreed. And probably one of the most prominent African-American coaches in all the sports. Um, and okay. for him to come out and say what he said and to support not only his, this, the Mason Rudolph but the Steelers organization, that spoke volumes on how adamant that he is that this is completely false for what Miles Garrett is saying. So for me... And again, you and I know Vince. We don't. Once the season's over, we don't hear from Mike Tomlin until the draft when he goes through his little prospects before, yeah. and then after they go, we never hear from Mike Tomlin until OTAs, minicamp stuff like that. So for him to come out and actually will volunteer to speak up, that spoke volumes to me before he even said a word on the na- on national TV. I think if this would were to continue, I think they were to pursue legal. Um, course or legal action um, i think that was more just like a deterrent if you will um i don't think this will go anywhere really i mean once again this got legs because there's literally nothing else to talk about in football right now besides about where tom brady might go free agency like, literally that's what's dominating the major and national airwaves um so i i don't think it's going to go anywhere really hopefully you know as of discussing it today on february 19th this is the last way to talk about it yeah i mean i'm not surprised that that was mason rudolph um uh, response as well as his lawyer. I don't honestly know. Uh, it sounded as though Mike Tomlin thinks he should, though. I, I, I think that's kind of what I got from that, right? I don't know if you kind of heard him that he feels like he needs to take it as far as he feels like he needs to, and that. But that I think Mike Tomlin said he, you know, it, it seemed as though Mike was like, I, I think he should, um, and if he does, you know, good for him uh, because this is something that's because. You know, the NFL did an investigation. There was no audio that was able to pick up any kind of any kind of information. It was a thorough investigation. Obviously, Mike Tomlin comes out and speaks. Um, but still, there's going to be a pocket of people um, that believe Miles. Um, and they're allowed to. And, and, and exactly, they're yeah. absolutely allowed to. But the reality is, we're never gonna really, we're never gonna really know the truth. Um, we can, we can lean on the investigation that was done by the NFL. Um, sometimes their investigations and their outcomes are not always what we all think and expect them to be. Um, however, this is something that's gonna is gonna be with Mason forever, um, regardless of what Mike Tomlin says, regardless of what his teammates say. This is gonna be with him forever. There's gonna be, and again, right now. He's the backup quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. Do we know if, it, we know if he's the heir apparent to Ben? No. Um, but at the same time, if things, if Mason Rudolph all of a sudden in a couple of years after Ben retires or whatever, maybe gets an opportunity somewhere else, there's always going to be this over him. And that's a problem for him potentially moving forward. It's like, you know, I think you, I think you started talking about it if it was in a regular workplace, like something like this. Leans on you forever. Like when I when they say, "Can I call your former employers?" Uh, or, or you have a references, you know, this type of stuff gets brought up, and it's like, uh, do I even? Regardless if it's true or not, because again, we're never going to know. That that's something that they're going to have to think about bringing into a locker room or bringing into the workplace. Like those are things that are going to stick with him forever. So, 
Um, whether it goes to legal, legal, uh, there's a case and he pursues legal action. I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but again, um, I'm, I'm interested. We haven't heard anything yet as of now, uh, on the 19th of February. It doesn't, I haven't heard much from Miles since Mike Tomlin came out. It'll be interesting to see if anything, if he responds or what the case is. But I think if it, I think if it stays the way it is now, I think Mason and Pry is just going to try to just move on from it. But I think if Miles tries to come back again and say something in regards to him saying this racial slur at him, I think that's going to be when he takes legal action. Wow. The idea that he would take legal action against Garrett seems insane to me. It sounds like conjecture. It's essentially a case of your word versus mine. And what's worse is that when you want this story to go away, the lawsuit would only serve to muddy this quagmire. What I'm hoping for is that Garrett and Rudolph would find a way to meet without lawyers and come to some sort of understanding with each other as men. There's a potential for real connection and healing with this story if it can be handled through back channels and not in the media. Well, we're about to wrap up another episode of Straight No Chaser. I'm here today with Vince and Dimitri of the Devoted Steelers podcast. Guys, do you have any final thoughts for us here at Dogs by Nature Radio? I'd love to comment on two things. Um, number one is I absolutely love the Kevin Stefanski hire for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think he's a great coach, and I think he implements a system that they used in uh, Minnesota, more of a run first, uh, play action. And I think that will benefit your quarterback tremendously. And speaking of Baker, I think that this offseason, you know, with a relatively low amount of headlines and hopefully, good Lord, not that amount of progressive commercials, that would benefit the entire NFL watching world. Um, if he can really focus on his craft, um, he can get back to the level that he was um, as a rookie. And they still have a very talented offense um, around it, you know, with Jarvis Landry, Odo Beck, and uh, Nick Chubb. Um, and hopefully, you guys, you know, I think your biggest priority is offensive line. So... Uh, hopefully they work on that but I'm excited to watch the Browns um, I'm here in Columbus so I get to watch a lot of them and hear a lot about them so I'm excited to see uh, where they go next season so um, I will say the jury is out on I want to say basically I'm not sold on Stefanski I think he can't be a great coach um, stuff that I've been reading is how much of Gary Kubiak was really impacting Stefanski. It sounded like, or also what I've read, that Stefanski was who some in the organization wanted last year when they ended up going with Freddie yes. Kitchens. Yes. Um, again, if if they do get back to run the ball, because let's be honest, I mean, whether Kareem Hunt, after his legal situation, again, this this earlier this offseason, um, whether he's still on the team or not, you still have a great, great, great running back in Nick Chubb. You get some pieces on the offensive line. Um and you get back to just letting Baker, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call him, I don't want to call him a game manager, but essentially game manager again, kind of get him back to the fundamentals, get him back to taking care of the football. And you do that by controlling the clock, running the football, play action, um, making the easy read. You know, I agree with you. If that, if Stefanski's able to get that and then the bail get able to buy in, um, and you can juggle all those personalities, then I agree. It could be it could be a really good hire. He might be there for more than sixteen games, but um, maybe thirty. Again, right, and, and that's and but that's again something that remains to be seen. Um, 
I, I, I am interested, though, um, just to kind of wrap this up here. I'm interested in, in the two meetings, and I'll be interested to see when the NFL schedule uh, comes out in April, when they schedule the Steelers-Browns. Obviously, Miles Garrett's uh, reinstated. Fully expect Ben Roethlisberger to be the quarterback, not Mason Rudolph. Um, I don't want them week one, just because I don't need any bad blood, and I don't need my quarterback getting hurt because of a stupid freaking reason. I will go ballistic, and then you can have us back on this podcast, and you can have us on borderline cursing you guys out. All right, I will not be happy. I don't want the week one. I'm sorry. What has that been? That's been what? Uh, how many years in a row? Was it? It was 2017, 2018. Yeah, it wasn't last year. Uh, it wasn't last year. Okay. Sorry, Okay. okay. It's so always in Cleveland. Well, they had the opener in 2014. I was actually at that game uh, where they we were up like 27 to three, and they came back and yeah, tied it. Whatever, but um, I'll be interested to see what they do and, and what kind of tempers flare. I mean, again, I know if I'm Kevin Stefanski, as much as a, as a, from an X's and O standpoint of being a head coach and seeing that stuff, I think a, a big job, just like it was for Freddie Kitchen, is how to handle all the personalities uh, on that team. Um, and uh, he I, makes I, more sense than I mean, Freddie Kitchens was literally a running back coach in Arizona a year before he got the Cleveland job. Like, completely, completely agree. That was completely, completely way, way in over his head. Jarvis Landry, I think, on an interview recently, I think it, was, it might have been at the Super Bowl, said something like, "After the first fifteen scripted plays, he didn't really know what the, what the next, you know, what was next." So that was clear. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'm already excited for that upcoming contest. Hopefully, we'll hear from Dimitri and Vince from at Steelers Devoted on Twitter. Uh, when those contests become known. That was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I am your host, Thelonious7 on Dogs by Nature. Take care.